right, this week we're going to continue our Heroes series. It's been awesome so far. Um, and I know that God has something super awesome to speak to each one of us today. So if you could just take a second, quiet your hearts, and prepare to hear from God. So just imagine for a moment with me that we're on top of a mountain. And everyone has been summoned by the king to the top of the mountain. The name of this mountain is Mount Carmel. You may have heard this story before, but I want to repeat it. We're on top of this mountain for a showdown. On one side of the mountain, there's 850 prophets of the god Baal and Asherah. And on the other side of the mountain, there's this one guy, our hero for today. He was the only prophet left of the true and living God. His name was Elijah. And Elijah stood in front of the people, everyone who had been assembled there, and he said, how much longer are you going to waver between two opinions? How much longer are you going to sit on the fence? See, either God is God or Baal is God, and you've got to choose which one is going to be God. If Baal is God, then follow him. If God is God, then follow him. But the Bible says the people were completely silent. That's a tough crowd to preach to, a silent crowd. But Elijah kept going on. He said, I'm the only prophet left. And Baal and Asherah, they have these 850 prophets. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring two bulls, one for them and, and one for, for, for me. We're going to cut them into pieces and we're going to create a sacrifice, two different sacrifices. And we're going to cut the bull up and you're going to lay it on top of your wood, on top of your altar. And I'm going to cut my bull up and lay it on top of my altar to God. And we're going to cry out or going to pray out to our respective gods. And the only thing we can't do is use fire to light the sacrifice. That's their God's responsibility. So whichever God answers our prayer and lights the sacrifice on fire, that's the one and true God. And so the people, they they became unquiet and they, they all agreed. They said, okay, that's a good plan. And Elijah said, there's so many of you guys, you prophets of Baal, why don't you go first? I'm going to defer to you. You can go first. And so they, they built their altar. They got the wood, and then they cut up the bull, and they put the bull on top of there, and they started praying to Baal. And they prayed for a few hours, and, and morning turned into noontime, and by this time, Elijah started to mock them. It's actually quite funny. He said, hey, maybe, maybe Baal's gone to the bathroom. Maybe he's gone on vacation. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you just need to cry out a little louder. And so they started to, and 850 of them, can you imagine all these guys crying out, wanting this to come true, believing in something that was not real, and they started cutting themselves with swords. They're bleeding for this God that doesn't exist. And of course, you know the story. Noontime turned into evening, and nothing happened. Even though they were frenzied, even though they were going crazy, even though they had been crying out all day and cutting themselves, nothing happened. And so Elijah said to the people, okay, it's my turn. Everyone come over here. And they crowded around him, and Elijah built, he said, it says he rebuilt the altar of the Lord. There must have been an altar there. And he rebuilt the altar, and he used 12 stones, one for each of the tribes in Israel. And he put the wood on top, and he cut up his bowl, and he put that on top. And then he did something interesting. He dug a trench around his altar. And he said to somebody, bring me four jugs of water, which is very interesting because they were in a drought, a three-year drought. Bring me 
four jugs of water, and he said, pour it on top of the sacrifice. And they poured it on top of the bowl, and it came down on the wood and on the stones and into the trench. He said, do it again. And they did it again. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And by this time, the water was was just covering everything. Everything was saturated. The trench was even overflowing. And then Elijah walked up to the altar and he prayed. He said, O Lord God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done this not for, not for my benefit, but I have done this at your command. O oh Lord, answer me, answer me, so that these people will know, O oh Lord, that you have brought them back to yourself. Aren't you glad you serve a God that brings you back to himself? And immediately, the Bible says, immediately fire flashed down from heaven and it burnt up the bull and it burnt up the wood and it burnt up the stones and it even burned up the dust and the water and the trench immediately. And when all the people saw it, they did what they should have been doing in the first place. They fell with their faces to the ground. And they said, oh Lord God, you are the one true God. And Elijah commanded, seize all those prophets of Baal. And they brought them down to the valley, and they killed them there. And the king who had arranged all this, King Ahab, he went back to his palace, and he told his wife Jezebel what had happened. And Jezebel was furious at Elijah. And she sent a message to Elijah and said, basically said, you are dead meat, I'm going to hunt you down, and I'm going to kill you. And the Bible says something interesting. It says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. That's unbelievable. Our hero, Elijah, just had the greatest moment, the greatest experience of his life. God does this incredible thing in and through him. One man versus 850, all the people were silent. They didn't have an opinion. It was just him and God. And fire flashed down from heaven and consumed a wet sacrifice, proving to everyone who the true God was. Elijah had just seen God's unbelievable power right in front of his eyes. It was the pinnacle of his ministry. It was perhaps the greatest thing he ever did on earth. I mean, God did it through him. We've, we're talking about it now, 2,000 plus years later, the church talks about this event and what God did that day. And what does Elijah do when he hears from Jezebel? He runs away in fear. Unbelievable. You see, though, after the greatest mountaintop moments of your life, you have to realize that the, the deepest and the lowest valleys can come right after that. But I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that the God who made the mountains is the same God that made the valleys. And as long as you don't stop in the valley, but you keep walking through the valley, holding God's hand, you will come to the next mountain. See, Elijah was in the valley. And you may be in a valley here this morning. 1 Kings 19, if you want to catch up to me, you can turn your Bibles there. I'm going fast and furious today. Elijah sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed to God that he might die. He had just had this incredible experience, and then he prays for death. He was done. He says, take my life. I'm done. And then he laid down, and he slept under the tree. Listen to me carefully this morning. Some of you who are listening to the sound of my voice think that you are done. 
You think that you're washed up, that you have no use, that your life has no purpose. You may have done this thing back there. God may have used you back there. But now, like Elijah, you've given up. You've stopped because of fear and you're paralyzed. You've sat down under the tree and you've fallen asleep. You see, I believe the church is full of sleeping heroes. And we need to remember what Paul told us in Ephesians 5.24. He said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead because then Christ will shine through you and shine on you. Listen, listen, you are not done. You are not finished. God has a plan for you. He has a hope for you and a future. Take your pulse this morning. If you got a pulse, feel your heart. If you got a heartbeat, you are not done. As long as you have life and breath in your body, then the spirit of the living God is in, inside of you and upon you. And you may be in the valley, but you've got to keep on walking. And don't fall asleep. Don't give up now. It's not time to quit. You've got another mountain to climb. God has massive plans for you, but he can't do it in and through you until you wake up. So Elijah laid down and he slept under the broom tree. But, but, I love in the Bible when you see those three letters, B-U-T. Because what was is about to be contrasted. What was is about to change. What was is about to be transformed into what is. So then Elijah lay down, he slept under the broom tree, but an angel of the Lord touched him. See, you may be sleeping today, you may have given up, but God has not given up on you. Amen? And as you were sleeping, he will touch you, he will instruct you, it says in Psalms. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched Elijah and told him, get up and eat. Get up and eat. And he looked beside him, and right by his head there was hot, fresh bread baked on a stone and a jar of water. And so he ate and he drank, but then he laid down again. Aren't you glad God doesn't give up on you after the first time? Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Elijah, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. It's time to get up and eat, church. It's time to get up and wake up and eat some bread. Because you need to prepare for the journey ahead of you. You're not done. Listen to me. Do, do you and I stop several times a day to feed our physical body? Of course we do. It's called breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks in between. It's one of the first things you do every morning. You don't even have to put it on your calendar. You get up and you eat. So why are we not stopping and pausing every day and intentionally feeding our soul? Why is it that some of us can feed our physical body, but in some cases we're starving our spiritual body? Whose job is it to feed your soul and your spirit? You, you know this person very well. You look at him or her in the mirror every time you wake up in the morning. It's yours. It's your job. The bread's right in front of you. But you've got to eat it. So Elijah got up and he ate and he drank. And the Bible says the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. Now this is very interesting. You see, no Israelite 
had gone back to this wilderness region of Mount Sinai since the generation of Moses. No Israelite that we know of had traveled back there. Remember Moses and the children of Israel, they disobeyed God, so that generation, they, uh, they had to die in the wilderness. They weren't allowed into the promised land. And then the next generation, led by Joshua, they crossed over the Jordan River into the promised land. And no Israelite that we know of since then had come back to Mount Sinai. Six generations had passed, 588 some years. And Mount Sinai, this is the place where Moses first heard God speak to him through the burning bush. It was holy ground. This is the same mountain, Mount Sinai, that God gave him the Ten Commandments on. This is the same place where God instructed Moses on how to build the tabernacle so that his presence could dwell there. This is the same place where God gave the Israelites manna, bread, from heaven every morning. And almost 600 years later, God does the same thing that he did with Moses' generation. He does to Elijah. He sends bread down from heaven to sustain him, to keep him alive, to give him strength. And God doesn't stop there. He, he has done the same thing for you and for me. He has sent us bread from heaven. He sent us Jesus, who made this declaration in John chapter 6. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Well, sir, they said, give us this bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. We all know what I am means. We just had a series on that a few months ago. I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am right in front of you. I'm right here for the taking. I am food for your soul. I am your source. I am your sustainer. I am the bread of life, and it's time to wake up and get up and eat the bread. And then eat some more bread, and every day eat some more bread, and it should be a regular part of our routine, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks that we're eating of the bread of life. Jesus is right there, right in front of us. But let's just think about this for a second. There's one giant qualification that you have to have in order to eat. You see, in order to eat, you've got to be hungry. You must be hungry in order to eat. And the moment you lose your desperation to hear from him, the moment you lose your hunger for him is the moment that you, your soul starts to starve. And if your soul is starving, then it's headed towards death. You see, once is not enough. The angel told Elijah two times to eat the bread and eat some more bread. And eat some more bread. And see, unless you and, you and I are continually, daily, moment by moment, eating of the bread and eating of Jesus, who is the bread of life, and drinking in his words, then we will not survive the journey. Remember Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, he was physically hungry for 40 days, 40 nights in that wilderness. And he told Satan, he quoted God's word from Deuteronomy. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, if you want to hear his voice, church, you need to be familiar with his words. 
the most tragic thing I believe that you and I could do with our lives would be to live our lives out of the earshot of the voice of God. See, we have a choice. We can keep sleeping under that broom tree, or we can get up and eat some bread and get on with our journey. Let me tell you, nothing in this world, nothing will ever satisfy you, will ever fill you up like Jesus can. And we have so many excuses, don't we? We say, I don't know how to study the Bible or spend time with him. I don't know how to pray. It just seems like a chore to me. It just doesn't seem to be exciting. And we go on and on. But let me tell you what, that is garbage. That is pure and simple garbage. Those are lies straight from the pit of hell from the liar, and they can go right back where they came from because we're going to eat the bread. Here's the thing. We didn't have any problem eating three square meals a day yesterday, did we, for our physical body? No. We will not have a problem eating if we're hungry. Church, we don't have an eating problem. We have a hunger problem. We need a generation that is hungry. We need to be hungry. Oh, God, give us a hunger for your word. This church needs to be a church that is hungry. I don't, under, I don't think you understand if we're hungry what that does to the generations that follow us. Psalm 107.9, for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. I want to be filled with good things. He fills the hungry with good things. You need to eat from this word. You need to be spending time with the bread of life every day to keep your soul alive. Psalm 119 says, revive me by your word. Encourage me by your word. Give me life through your word. For I've put my hope in your word. Your word gives me light. Guide my steps by your word. And I could go on and on and on. You cannot live. You cannot climb the next mountain without this. You will not be successful on your journey. Hebrews 4.12, you know this verse. For the word of God is what? Alive. Alive and powerful. This is just a book, but the words therein are straight from God's mouth. And it's powerful, it's active. It says it's sharper than the sharpest double edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And here's the thing it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. His word exposes us, it shines a light on who we are in relation to who He is. You see, you and I need to be exposed. Not once, not twice, but every day exposed. Our hearts need to be exposed. We need to be cut open, cut wide open. Heart surgery, listen to me, heart surgery needs to be a daily event scheduled on your calendar. Get up. Eat the bread. Get alone. Eat the bread. Create moments of seclusion with him. Eat the bread. Spend time with him. Eat the bread. And then eat it again. And then read it again. And then chew on it again. And then meditate on it again. Because if you do not, you will not be ready to hear God's voice. It's like tuning into a radio station, but you're on the wrong channel. You'll never get there. He may be speaking, but you cannot tune into the right frequency. And he is speaking to you. Church, we have to get hungry. We have to pray for a hunger. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. The other day, my family was out to eat at a restaurant, and 
my daughter ordered chicken uh, strips like she usually does. You know, thank God for chicken strips, right? Or there'd be only a few restaurants we'd go to. But if you know my daughter, she's six-year-old, she's, she's very creative. Everything she does just blows us away. It's, she just sees life from a different perspective, which is awesome. But we looked over at her, and she's, instead of eating her chicken strips, she takes a chicken strip, and she was pretending to put makeup on her face with her chicken strip. Which is very creative, but she was getting grease all over her face. And we chuckled for a moment, and then we corrected her. We said, Jules, no, the chicken is supposed to go in your mouth, which feeds your body, which helps you grow. But church, I feel like that's the way some of us are treating the Word of God. We carry it around with us. We play with it a little bit. But at the end of the day, we just end up with grease on our face. Instead of it being food for our soul, you have to eat it. Church, playtime is over. (laughs) Wipe the grease off your face and eat the bread. And if you don't have an appetite, then you better get on your face and pray with a desperation like you've never prayed before for a hunger that you've never felt before because the time is short and you will not make it. You'll die underneath that tree. You will not make it on your journey. You will not be able to climb the next mountain that God has for you. So Elijah, he ate the bread and he did his 40-day, 40-night journey and he made it to this holy mountain of God, Mount Sinai. And he spends the night in a cave on the mountain, possibly the same place that Moses did. And God speaks to him and God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. A still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he went out and he wrapped his cloak around his head. And he stood at the entrance of the cave. Now flashback with me 600 years. The same mountain, Mount Sinai, Moses. Moses and Aaron and the 70 elders of Israel, they climb up the same mountain, Mount Sinai. In Exodus 24, it says, There they saw the God of Israel, and under his feet there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue as clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. See, when you eat together, when you break bread together, it's a sign of an intimate friendship. And that's what Moses and the 70 elders experienced and also Elijah experienced on the same mountain in the presence of God. That's the definition of communion. Our lives should represent daily this idea of communion with our God. He's not far away. He's right there. But are we creating moments? Are we making space? 
Are we intentionally designing opportunities to hear his voice? See, I believe you have to be intentional to create moments in your life, moments that block out the noise around you, moments to pause and to stop and to listen for his gentle and his still, small voice. Only you are responsible for the amount of noise that you let enter into your life. And it's time to start treating our lives as a sacred space. See, you and I, I've got good news for you. You and I don't have to travel 40 days and 40 nights to get to Mount Sinai to meet with God. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? See, we don't have to travel to the mountain. We're already on the mountain. We are the temple where God is speaking to us. But are we listening? Is there too much other noise? Are we tuned into the wrong frequency? One of my favorite chapters in all of the Scripture, Hebrews 12, verse 18, this says it better than I could ever say it. These are God's words. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. And Moses himself was so frightened at the sight, he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you haven't come to that physical mountain. Let me tell you where you've come to. You have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. Church, you have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous one in heaven who have now been made perfect. Church, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, you have come to Jesus. We haven't come to a physical mountain. I don't know if you get it. We haven't come to a place of fire and darkness and gloom and whirlwind. No, you've come to Jesus. We don't come with fear and trembling. We don't come with fear and trembling. Rather, we come with expectation to experience his gentleness and his grace and his loveliness and his peace, and his goodness. And we can sit at the table with him and break bread with him and share drinks in his presence. And with his blessing, we commune with him. This is how we live our lives. We dine with him, we celebrate him, and then we listen to his gentle and still, small voice speak life into our spirits. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to stop in the middle of this message and we're going to make space. We're going to create a moment, a Mount Sinai moment. We're going to intentionally design an opportunity to get up and eat the bread and to sit at the table with Jesus and have communion with him and have fellowship with him. There's several tables behind you and beside you. And I want this to be a very personal moment with 
just you and Jesus. Not to talk to him, but to listen for his gentle whisper, his still, small voice, to wrap your head in your cloak like Elijah did and stand at the entrance of the cave and soak in his presence. Because I'm telling you, if you listen, he is speaking to you. Soak him in. And if you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to stand, then you can stand. If you want to go into a corner of the room, go into a corner of the room. If you want to close your eyes, close your eyes. Just you and Jesus, take a moment to be intentional about meeting with him and listening to him. Don't say anything, just listen. So go ahead and get up and eat the bread and listen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I believe the presence of God is in this place. And it can be wherever you are if you just create a moment and create space to let him speak to you. My hope and prayer is that you heard something. You heard you were quiet enough to hear what God had to say to you. But then that when we go from this place, that we'd make this a regular habit in our lives, like eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Our soul is way more important than our body. We've got to eat the bread and commune with him every day. So after Elijah heard this gentle whisper, and he wrapped his head in a cloak, and he stood at the entrance of the cave, the Lord continued to talk to him, and he said, Elijah, go back the same way you came. And travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. And then anoint Jehu to be king of Israel. And thirdly, anoint Elisha to replace you as my prophet. And God commissioned him to anoint three people. But listen to me carefully. We're almost done. Elijah only personally anointed one of them. God told him to anoint three. Elijah only personally anointed Elisha, his replacement. Oh, he followed God's commands. You see, it was Elisha, his replacement, that anointed the other two kings. See, God wants to do something through you that you yourself don't even touch. This is huge. I hope you're getting this. God wants your reach to go far beyond yourself. This life is not just about you. It's not about you at all. God wants Elisha's to follow you. You see, but there can't be an Elisha unless you first have an Elijah. And this life was not meant to be a solo act. We were not designed to live alone. Our God is a God of multiplication. Be fruitful and multiply. And God says throughout the scripture, he says, I have a plan to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. He says, don't stay small. He says, spread your tent. 
Enlarge your tent. Take the land. Cross the river. Take action. Our God is a God of action. He wants multiplication from your life. And when Moses and Aaron and the 70 elders came up Mount Sinai, that is how we need to be doing it. Moses didn't go up alone. He brought people with him to experience the presence of God. Bring people with you on your journey. This church believes in multiplication. We believe in the fullness of the kingdom of God, and our desire is to help people understand where they fit into the body. You fit somewhere into the body, into the kingdom of God. You, whoever you are, you have something inside of you that the kingdom of God needs. God has designed you specially. You have something inside of you that, that is just waiting to be discovered, waiting to be unleashed. You have massive potential to damage the darkness and shine the light of Jesus where you are. And we want you to be planted so that you can discover your gifts. We want you to grow and then be cultivated in your gifting. And then we want you to be released to lead in your gifts and to harvest and produce more seeds so that we plant and that we grow and cultivate and harvest and plant and grow and harvest. That is multiplication. See, you, you are a potential leader. There's potential leaders sitting here or listening to the podcast. You are a potential pastor, possibly. You could be a potential preacher. You have God's Word. If you're eating the bread and it's inside of you, then it's not just supposed to stay inside of you. It's supposed to multiply. See, whatever God has put inside of you, you have massive potential for His kingdom. There could be a Moses in this place today, and you're standing on holy ground but if you're a Moses, then you have a Joshua that you need to lead. And there could be an Elijah in this place just waiting, just waiting to be unleashed, to have a Mount Carmel moment. But if you're an Elijah, you can't stop and sleep in the valley. You've got another mountain to climb. You have an Elisha behind you to empower. But it all starts with the bread. You can't go anywhere on this journey. You can't get through the valley without this you can't get through the valley without Jesus, but he's right in front of you saying, I am the bread of life. You will not be successful on your journey if you do not get up and eat the bread. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, we know you're in this place today. We are so thankful for the word that you have spoken God, thank you for your bread, your word that sustains us and gives us life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life. And I pray that we would begin to create sacred spaces in our lives, Mount Sinai moments that we'd realize that we are the temple. We don't have to travel to a mountain. We have come to Jesus, that we would block out moments to spend with you just as often as we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner to feed our souls, to just listen and hear the gentle whisper of your, of your love. That we would get on our face before you, God. That we, would, that we would recognize that our posture before you determines our potential. God, that we would hang on every word that you have spoken. We know we're not done. We may be walking through the valley, but we've got a mountain to climb. We're not finished, not by a long shot. We have a journey ahead of us. 
Father, touch us once again. Give us a hunger like never before and a thirst for you like we have never experienced so that we can get up and eat the bread and 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 keep getting up and eating of you. And all God's people said,